WBZ original. Honestly, <laughs> first of all, to insinuate that apple is only a summer pie is it's, absurd. It's, it's largely, manifestly it's absurd. It's largely a summer pie. It's a 4th of July pie. And may I say, having had a moment to think about it, yes. you're both way off base. Okay. Oh, the classic Thanksgiving is pie pumpkin is a pumpkin pie. Well, yes, sure, of yes. course. Like, that pumpkin is a pie given. Is king. Yeah, but he was insinuating that you not have apple pie yeah, you at don't Thanksgiving have apple pie. And let me just drop the mic here. It might not even be in the top five Oh, that's insane. You go chocolate. Chocolate pie now before you're, you get lemon oh, pie. On, lemon pie before. What it's, goes with turkey and mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce? Apple. Pecan not pie. Chocolate. Did not someone apples. tie your tie a little too tightly? <laughs> See, I mean, no, no, maybe shut up for a moment. Hello, everyone. Thanksgiving week. Always exciting to be heading out into a holiday. It is the season two, episode 12 yeah. uh, of Studio BZ, and I'm Paula Eddin. I am Leah Martin. And I'm John Keller. And may I suggest right off the bat, to this episode this week is perfect for being stuck in gridlock traffic, trying to clear, yes. trying to get off the pike onto I-84. <laughs> it starts Tuesday, and it goes all the way through the yeah. weekend. That's Perfect. right. Just tell the kids to shut up <laughs> and let the podcast roll. And Don't make of, me turn this thing around. And one of the many things to listen to, your interview with uh, Mayor Walsh. You know, we had him in the tape uh, for TV, and then I brought him up here to do the podcast. And we did have an interesting conversation about, among other things, the Amazon, what I call the Amazon scam, the nationwide search that, oh, wow, look at that. It wound <laughs> up picking New York and the Washington and suburbs. And I wondered if Marty Walsh was actually glad that mm. Amazon passed over Boston. All right. So we'll hear that. And Liam, we talked to one of the operators of the recreational marijuana dispensary. Marijuana shops open Tuesday in Massachusetts. The first two of them open. We talked with the owner of Cultivate, a 25-year-old who has opened one of the first two marijuana shops in Massachusetts. He opened it up in Leicester. We're going to talk with him about how it's going. And November is National Homeless Youth Awareness Month. And we talked to the executive director of what I think is one of the most vital and important organizations in the city of Boston, Bridge Over Troubled Waters, which helps homeless young people between 14 and 24. We talked to Elizabeth Jackson and also a former client who's now a college professor. So whenever Mayor Walsh drops by, I always have a good time talking with him because he'll take any question. He doesn't get mad. At least he doesn't let on that he's mad. At least he doesn't <laughs> let on that he's mad with me. He knows I, I don't care if he he's gets mad. But, for anything. But uh, we had a good conversation here uh, late last week. Uh, about a whole variety of things, the Amazon sweepstakes and whether Boston is better off without it, uh, traffic in the city, some mm. housing issues, even uh, a topic I don't believe he'd ever been asked about before, his hair color. I heard that you asked him about heard this, this, whether or not he that's, dyed his hair. I'm going to let the tape feed, speak for itself. That's right. John went there. Well, I'm not shy because I dye mine. I freely admit it. I'd be completely white, and you wouldn't want to see me with white. So I don't understand because you, you your hair is still white, but it but it's gray. So you color it. It would be just subtly enough. My dad was completely white haired by the time he was forty, uh-huh. and I was headed that way. So my wife insisted, and a lovely <laughs> so, lady doesn't she well, do a great job? Handsome, yes. Thank you. Paula. And do you do the same thing with the mustache? No, the, the mustache. Same? The mustache is because no, it, it, that's the mark of a bad dye job. Because it generally yes. matches, though. Your mustache and your no, hair match always. pretty well. No. Not at all. No. 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 Yours don't no. match? I think yours matches pretty well. A lot of men have well. dark hair still, but their mustache has gone Anyway, gray. what this has to do with Mayor Walsh <laughs> is a, a question for our <laughs> listeners to, to figure out. But uh, interesting stuff. He, he seemed to really relax in this format. Uh, here's a taste of it. This is Greater Boston, cradle of American democracy. Mayor Walsh, welcome to Studio BZ. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great to have you here. We appreciate it. Okay. Uh, lay off the buffet now. That's yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the, the spread here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, of course, everybody in Boston is buzzing about the Sitco sign, yeah. right? What's going to happen to it, and so forth. And I guess there's some news on that front. As you you came in here to talk with us, what's going on? Well, on Tuesday, the Landmark Commission. Uh, voted to unanimously to landmark the structure and the Sitco sign yeah. uh, in, in Kenmore. Um, that then comes to my desk, and I have to make a decision yesterday, last night at the Boston Planning and Development Agency, 
they approved the projects that Related Bill's doing and in, in also incorporated into that the structure. Okay. So now I have to make a decision. Do I do I sign the law? My own, what I'm concerned about is is setting precedent that we're landmarking a corporation corporations sign. I want this. I want the sign to stay. We've never done that before. Not a not to my How about knowledge. Fenway. Um, I think they, they they landmarked the building. I don't think they landmarked the actual the, the Fenway Sports Group. Oh right, it's, I understand. Yeah. So okay. so you know, I want to see this a sign stay in Kenmore, and I'd like to see the Sitco sign stay in Kenmore. But if we have concerns about landmarking a corporation, that means that's there forever. The corporation Sitco, regardless of what happens with the company, regardless of what they do. So it's something that, that I'm looking at now to see what's the next step. Uh, I'm I'm very happy that the BPDA put in there the structure. The structure will always stay. The sign, the sign itself, the structure of it will always be in Kenmore uh, moving forward. And that's something that I think a lot of people are concerned about now. Because Sitco wasn't always the name on the sign. Uh, there was a- City service, City right? service. Was a, I think there was a couple different operations that were up there. So I, I just get concerned around the whole, you know, I've heard some rumblings about, uh, you know, fossil fuel and, and different things like that, promotion. And, and so we have to see how, how we move forward. Well, corporations pay big bucks for naming rights on stadiums and other kinds of the buildings, yep. uh, perhaps uh, uh, Sitco could make it worth our while. Well, I think Sitco has to. Sitco and related bill have to come up with negotiate and w- how they're going to pay keep this going long term um, as as they move forward. I think that that's one of the things that we can do here. And I, again, I think it's getting into the weeds here uh, in conversations. But I think now it's time to get into the weeds a little bit because we have to make sure that you know if a corporation gets landmarked, do they have to pay the value of the sign and and what happens down the road? So I just don't. I want to make sure the city is not 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 kind of put in a, in a very vulnerable position anywhere down the road here. Interesting. Now, uh, people have uh, driving through that area have an uh, ample opportunity to enjoy the Sitco sign because invariably, just about every hour of the day, they're stuck in wretched, horrible traffic. Mayor, I've lived here all my life. That's well over a hundred years. I've never seen traffic so bad. Yeah. Do, uh, I, I, what what I, can I, we do? I mean, it's a sign of economic health. But it, it is a sign of economic health. It, it's, it's, it's you know, 100,000 new jobs in the last five years. It's more people living in the city of Boston than the 1960s, since the 1960s. It's also uh, cost-sharing services, Uber and Lyft, uh, adding, you know, millions of trips a month in the city, picking people up. We need, to, we need to think of alternative sources of transportation because right now, I mean, when you think of the, the ride-sharing, you drive down the street, every third car is a ride-sharing. And, and a lot of those drivers don't follow the rules of the road. They pull people up, pick people up on the side of the road, drop them off, and it, it, it's adding to the congestion we have in the city. Um, what can you do about there's it? There's no simple answer. Uh, it, it, it really is. It's it's about a it's a mindset shift. About 10 years ago, if you remember, there was a big focus on carpooling and, and using carpooling as a better way of getting cars off the street. Uh, we've seemed to have gotten away from that. So we, we're going to look at different opportunities. Some cities do congestion pricing, as yeah. you know, around the world, where you pay extra to to drive a car in London a congested urban area, uh, is that on your radar? No, we have. I haven't looked at that because again, I think that that potentially comes down to an equity question uh, as far as as far as communities of you know lower income neighborhoods and lower income folks uh, having having a problem that have to get into town. So I, I think there has to be other options other other than looking at taxing people for coming into the city. Uh, maybe there's an opportunity for us to look taxing wise, you know, floating the idea of if we can talk to these ride sharing companies if they do more of the pooling. Um, you know, and, and maybe maybe charge the, the individual riders um, more money for a trip and putting some type of surcharge on that, maybe an environmental surcharge. We should be looking at something like that, that if they're, if they're picking one person up and driving around uh, where, where you could have two or three different people in the car to, to reduce cars, that's something we're looking at. We're talking with Boston Mayor Marty Walsh here on Studio BZ, and in spite of all the traffic, there is still ample opportunity for people to speed, and unfortunately they do recklessly. A two-year-old boy killed in South Boston not long ago. Horrific, horrific tragedy. Now there's a proposal. We dropped the the citywide speed limit from 30 to 25 a couple years ago. The problem continues. Now there's a proposal before the council to drop it to 20. Good idea? Bad idea? I mean, it's worth exploring. Uh, I'm not I haven't taken a formal position on it. I think we should look at it. The, 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 the issue here is that we have a 20, 25 mile an hour speed limit, which is the law. 
and people need to follow the law. And we can't have police out in every single corner enforcing the law. But we're asking people, you know, use some common sense. I mean, it's it's common sense. It's, These you know, are Bostonians, Mayor. We Come can on. we can lower it to ten miles an hour, and people are still going to be going down the street at thirty miles an hour. And and, and you know, I, I think that you know people need to understand that that you know vehicles are dangerous, uh, and people walking and pedestrians riding bikes got to understand that you're sharing the road with cars, and cars are sharing the road with you. People need to be more cognizant of each other because uh, cars are, 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 can be dangerous for folks. And if you're walking across the street and not giving the driver the opportunity or if the driver has a blind spot, uh, people need to be more careful. I mean, I remember some years ago in response to pedestrian deaths and injuries, uh, the city deployed uh, police cadets. Yeah. Uh, to act in certain intersections. Deterrent. You know, we had a really bad intersection on Mass Ave and Beacon, and, and we were able to uh, make some changes there. And, and thank God since that time, I don't think we've had any fatalities, and, and that's a really hot spot. So th there, there are some traffic calming measures we can do all over the city. I'm no expert, but it seems to me those signs you see where, or those devices where you're driving along and it starts flashing yeah. what your speed is. That, that, it, I it, think that's effective. Yeah, and we're ordering more of those now. We, 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 They're expensive, huh? Yeah, they are, but we, I think you can't put a price on a life and you can't put a price on, on, on hurting somebody. So I think there's an opportunity for us here. We're getting more and more of those built, uh, created for us and we're putting them up in different parts of the city. We started them as a pilot program in certain areas and now we're starting to see them in more and more areas around the city. These quality of life issues, I know, are sort of uh, top top of mind for uh, for good big city mayors. Uh, noise is always a chronic issue, uh, whether it's motorcycles or what have you. I, I must say, I was interested in that the um, uh, the anger of the residents down there by uh, the Ritz. Uh, because of the uh, the picket lines. Yeah, the, pit local, the hotel Bang workers it. are on strike. And, 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 uh, have you taken a position on that? I'm hoping that that strike is, I'm hoping that that, resolu that resolution will come shortly. Um, I know that the, the company and, and the union have been sitting down at the table having, I think, decent negotiating sessions lately. And I'm hoping that that ends quickly, sooner than, rather than later. Um, you know, you can see both sides. You can see both sides of it. You can see the side of the of the residents living in, in whether it's down by the Ritz or other parts of the city, that W. Um, you can also understand the, 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 the concern of the workers working there. They're, they're fighting because they have to work two and three and four jobs, and they're trying to get good or earn good wages. And you see both sides of that. Um, I've been to the rally for um, the hotel workers at, at Copley. I went to the rally to support them uh, as far as their negotiation. I also have had conversations with the head of the union about helping me cut back on some of the, some of the times for, for the, the picketing. And what's the response like? Um, it's been pretty good. They cut back on some areas. They, they did cut down a little bit, but this, they, they want to they wanna fight for their jobs. Well, and I've heard union leaders both now and many times over the years argue that, you know, disruptive civil disobedience or protests, things like banging on the drums. I remember this goes way, way back. You, you, were, you were a little kid at this point, but... Uh, protesters in the period of the Traeger bill uh, uh, back then and they God, what was it uh, like the 70s uh, sat down and blocked the uh, access to Logan Airport yeah. they sat down on the roadway do you you have been a union leader yeah. do you buy the argument that sometimes uh, uh, people organized labor others have to be disruptive to get their grievances heard when I, when I ran the building trades I ran it for two years uh, I took a different approach um, I, I always felt it was important to negotiate and negotiate up till the end before you have to take action like that. Uh, you look relieved, profoundly relieved that Amazon didn't come here. Is that correct? <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm relieved. I, you know, I think that um, you know they made a decision to, to go to New York and, 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 and Virginia, Northern Virginia. I think it is. Uh, you know, we were in the conversation. I was I was pretty happy to see that we, uh, a city as Boston, was was in a competition like that. Uh, we never had a conversation around incentives here in Boston, so that kind of alerted me a little bit. That how come we no one's having that conversation with us? I wasn't willing, and I don't think the governor was willing to give the store away on this. Um, and and I think that you know we have the talent and the resources here, but Amazon does have a presence in Boston now. They didn't have one until a couple of years ago. Now they have a thousand employees. They have another 2,000 coming in here over the course of the next couple of years with a potential of 2,000 more after that. So here's Amazon. They did this nationwide search. 
they got all sorts of communities. Luckily, you and Baker were smart enough not to get in on this, but all sorts of communities rolled over on their back, showed their belly, showed their cards about what they would be willing to offer uh, to Amazon specifically and potentially to other companies. Did they scam the country, Amazon? I don't think they scammed the country. I just think that, that that's the, the, the place that a lot of cities are in now, trying to bring companies to their city. Uh, you know, when it comes to tax incentives, it, you know, I've been mayor for five years. We've, we've worked with tax incentives on a couple projects. Um, you have to be very careful on them. Uh, and I think th- there's a reason for a tax incentive to bring to try and bring opportunities to, to an area. Um, but you got to be very selective on how you use those incentives. GE is an example. We, we put up, uh, I think, collectively $150 million in incentives for General Electric between the city and the state. Um, it, it's incumbent upon job growth, and it's also incumbent upon building new buildings. Um, GE is not moving forward with the new headquarters. The tax incentive does not move forward. It stops there. So really, for all intents and purposes, it's, you use it for different leverage points. Uh, I don't think it should be used universally across the board because I think on the other side, I think we should be using low-income tax credits to build affordable housing. I think we should be using tax credits for creating jobs for, for uh, moderate low-income workers. And how do we create more opportunities? If we had a company coming in here doing manufacturing in Boston that was going to gonna really focus on low, lower, lower uh, educated workers, I would love to bring a company here. If that means incentives to bring them here, we should look at it. Uh, but again, I think it's a case-by-case basis. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, I read the New York Times did a story today on, on the incentive of New York. Uh, so they're dealing with that today. When you and your people were talking with GE about them coming here, uh, in hindsight, now that we know they're cratering, do you believe that you were given full and correct information about the company's status? Oh, yeah. I, I think, you know, the reason why we're so invested in GE now is because they're world headquarters in Boston. If GE was still in Connecticut, uh, it would be going through the same situation they're going through today, and we wouldn't have been focused on it here in the city. The business community would have been reading about it, intrigued about it, but it wouldn't be such front-page news. Because they're a Boston-based company now, they're going to be front-page news every time something happens there, whether they purchase something big or they cut something small, big. Uh, I, I, you know, General Electric's been around for over 100 years. Uh, I mean, I am not concerned, uh, at least today, that General Electric's going out of business. They, they are, they've gone through many different cycles of evolution as a company, um, and, and they will go through another cycle. Are we on the hook for any? money for them? No, I think, uh, no, right now they're, they're on the hook, if you will, so okay, per se, for, for investments and they're making them. Uh, $50 million, 25 into education, 25 into job training and, and healthcare. No, no worry about them no, reneging no. on that. We've been working very closely with Ann Clee and the GE Foundation on, and they're, they're a corporate partner now in different areas. And, and again, I think a company like General Electric, uh, I mean, people have seen, if you follow it, they've gone through their ups and downs. Um, and that's, Big companies do that. Governments do that. So hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, they'll continue. At some point, they'll continue to be the company that everyone wants them to be. I know you've got to go, but just a couple last quick things. I know you've had uh, a lot of interest in the Everett Casino development on a variety of levels <laughs> over the years. Yes. You went back and forth with Wynn big time in court and out of court. Uh, now here we are. He's gone. He's suing to stop the release of the State Gaming Commission's investigation of where they lied to and misled by the company. Could it jeopardize the license? What are you hearing? What do you hope happens? Um, you know, I, I'm not hearing much on it. It's been pretty quiet. So, you know, obviously, um, you know, going back in history, I'm interested to see what the report says. Uh, to see, you know, at the time we were in the conversation, if we were wrong or right. You feel like you smelled a rat? No, I don't. Accurately? No, I, I, you know, it's in, we'll, we'll, I'm going to wait till I see the report and, and see what happens. You know, now, now you have a casino built in Everett. Uh, you have the, the city of Everett, who's dependent upon the revenue from that casino. So now, now it's real. Uh, so my concerns are to make sure that the city of Everett makes out okay. There's an opportunity for um, for the region to benefit from from money from that from the benefits of the casino. There's going to be employment, 5,000 jobs. So now my concern shifted to making sure that we can still employ people and have a successful venture there. Just because it, now it's it's a real building. When we were talking about it, it was a concept, an idea. It's a real building now. It's built. It's there. We want to make sure that it provides opportunity. When I voted for the 
bill originally uh, in the legislature. It was about providing edu uh, not educational job opportunities to folks. That's where we are today. So hopefully uh, that will still be successful. For they people. made all sorts of commitments about mitigation in the area, traffic mitigation, environmental cleanup, some of which impacts on Boston quite a bit. Yeah, oh yeah, a lot of it does. Are they still delivering on all yeah, that Yeah, we're, we're still moving forward on it. Okay. Not, we haven't, there's some road work being done now. There's still a lot, hundreds of millions of dollars of road work that's going to be happening over the next 10 years in that area. Mayor Walsh, last thing, you're five years in now as mayor. Uh, you don't look visibly changed. Do you dye your hair? No way. You don't? Let it go. That's that's the way it, it looks, it actually. It, okay, yeah. well, you look good. Uh, you've still got 15 years to go to match Tom Menino's run. <laughs> Could you see yourself being in this job for 15 more years? No. Um, Why not? I too stressful? No, I think it's too long. Um, I think that, um, you know, when it comes to positions of, of leadership or power, if you will, so maybe not power, leadership, you know, mayor, governor, speakers, Senate presidents, same legislative, not not rank and file, but legislative leaders, I, I think there's a shelf life. And, and I think that you can't overstay your welcome. And I think that, um, you know, when I got elected five years ago, I had some, some, some things I wanted to accomplish. I think we've done a very good job as far as being a fiscally sound city and keeping the city in a good space. Uh, I still have work to do in education. Uh, we inherit a housing shortage. Uh, we've done a lot of creation of housing, built thousands of affordable units by inclusionary development and other ways. Uh, we still have some more work to do there in the housing aspect. We've added 100,000 new jobs in the last five years, so we're doing economic growth in a, in a pretty good way. But there's still some things that we want to do. I, I think 20 years as, as a mayor is just, it's just, first of all, I don't know if anyone keep their stamina for 20 years. I know Mayor Menino did his best to do it, but but I, I think it's a, it's a, it's also and I it's a, it's also a job for fresh ideas and new ideas and new directions in which way the city should go. So I do not see myself there um, 15 years from now. Marty Walsh, Mayor of Boston, thanks for joining us on Studio BZ. Thank you. History was made this week in Massachusetts two years after the voters passed legalization of recreational marijuana. Two shops opened, one in Leicester and one in Northampton. There was the expectation of really long lines, even with the weather being poor this week. People really excited for the rollout of this after uh, the long wait. And is this... I, 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 it, it's really dependent on the community about whether or not they want this. In Leicester and Northampton, they signed off on it. Other towns, a lot of them have already voted. The voters have. And the ballot initiative from 2016 gave them the right to do this, to say we do not want pot shops in our town. So it's going to be interesting to see how quickly, how quickly we can go from two marijuana shops open to 50 or more. Although I think Sam Barber, who you talked to, you'll hear him talk about the good relationship that he has with the police chief in town. I think uh, there's been a lot of caution about making sure local law enforcement is very comfortable with the way this rollout goes. And as we are uh, having this interview and these two marijuana shops open, a couple of breaking news items. Number one, Congressman Joe Kennedy here from Massachusetts has now said that he's in favor of legalization federally, mm -hmm. which I believe just two years ago, he wasn't even in favor of the ballot initiative here in Massachusetts. I know Jonathan is looking that up in, for me. In March, he's, he came out against it. So. He had, so mm -hmm. yes, yeah, so mm -hmm. Kennedy was against turnaround. just legalization in the state alone, and now he wants it federally. And I think that that mirrors the way the country has gone over the last few years. We're now polling shows almost two-thirds of the country saying they're in favor of legalization across the board. Well, for me, another little piece of breaking news that kind of raised my eyebrows uh, came out on the first day of pot sales when I started seeing pictures of the menu and the price list. Mm. $480 for an ounce. Very expensive. Is that really what it is? Of flour. Hmm. Now, I personally wouldn't know about this, but I do have sure. sources in the community. Friends tell you. And it's my understanding that that is not what hmm. a really good ounce of pot So you're saying $480, you is that with the taxes? That's with the taxes. Okay, so it's 20% tax. The first well, customer. Still, the first customer in line this morning at Cultivate in Leicester was an Iraq war veteran who was chosen to buy it. He bought an ounce um, Which, by the way, is the limit. You can only buy an right. ounce. Right. No, but he bought he bought one container 
I'm not sure if it was an edible or what it was, and a roll joint, and it was $79 for those two items. So I think product by product, it's going to really vary, but it does seem very expensive. Well, in my mind, along with the other issues, impaired driving, impact on communities, and so forth, in my mind, one of the big issues about the future of this this budding industry here, no pun so intended. Sorry, I didn't mean that, and I apologize for it anyway. <laughs> there are puns all over. Is, you know, uh, are they going to be competitive with the black market? And these early prices, as best I know, are not competitive. That was one of the main debates heading into the ballot initiative in 2016 was where do we set that tax rate? I know in Colorado and Massachusetts, they set it, and, and in Washington, excuse me, they set it very high. And the worry was exactly that, that if you set the tax rate too high, people will just stick with the dealer they've been using all along. I will say there's a pretty big incentive to be in the legal market, though, as opposed to the illegal market where you could be facing Oh, yeah? I mean, possession of up to an ounce has been uh, a parking ticket fine. Decriminalized. To the extent it's even enforced in this state for some time. I don't know about that, Liam. And even if you stripped off the 20% tax off that $480 ounce, what I'm not real great at math, but you're still up around close to $400. That's a good $100 more than a good ounce. The other thing that you're getting, the the other thing you're getting, though, if you go to uh, an establishment, the legal establishment, is the guarantee that it's not going to have, it's not going to be laced with something. It's going to be a quality product. It's been independently tested. True. I would say that the tax revenues that they've seen in Colorado and Washington would suggest that people do kind of prefer to go to a, a legal business. Part of the slow rollout of marijuana is that the rule is rollout, good one. That, uh, <laughs> that each product has to have a barcode and be very carefully packaged so it can be tracked. Yeah. Mm. So now that it's been legalized, I wonder if there is going to be some incentive for people to make sure they're sort of within the rules so they know they're never going to run into any problem. I don't know how much that's We talked about all of this with the CEO of Cultivate, Sam Barber. He's a 25-year-old Babson grad who a few years ago realized this business was about to get big, and he started Cultivate in Leicester. Each day, hundreds of thousands of people pour into the one square mile downtown. downtown Sam, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. How many people are you anticipating tomorrow, and are you ready? We understand there are going to be lines out the door. That's uh, that's the big question of how many, but you know we're we're prepared for all of it. So uh, I think either way, people are going to have a have a good time tomorrow. Yeah. How could you plan for how much product you need to have in the store, and are you afraid that you might run out? Uh, that's you know we we've been preparing for a year for this. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know we've done our best to make sure we got the you know the best product out there mm-hmm. and as much of it as we can. Did you kind of guesstimate off Colorado, for instance, or what some other states have experienced? Well, I think that's kind of uh, where the Commonwealth has been a little different. Is mm-hmm. in those other states, you know, hundreds kind of uh, start off in the rec market. Mm-hmm. Uh, tomorrow is just going to be two. Just two, all at once. In Massachusetts, this is going to be the first time that a person can. Walk walk into a store and legally buy recreational marijuana. But of course, there are some restrictions that we want to let people know about. So what do customers need to know tomorrow? And as a follow-up to that, how much can someone buy in one stop? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, the way this is a little different than an alcohol uh, store is you have to, we actually have to check you in. So, uh, you know, we're, we're checking with trained professionals as well as our system to make sure that they're 21 before they come in our door. Right. So someone shows up, they have mm. to be 21. Yep. They have to have an ID. How much can you buy? Uh, so you're limited to an ounce. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're also looking at trying to limit how much each, uh, each customer is going to buy to make sure we last. And, and how does that apply to edibles? Because mm. I think that's kind of confusing to people about how the ounces are measured that way. Mm-hmm. What are all the facts surrounding edibles? Because there was some concern about lollipops, things that might look appealing to children, for mm. instance. So right. how have you handled that? Yeah, and uh, you know, I think Massachusetts has done a great job with limiting it to five milligrams per serving. Uh, but every single uh, edible is going to be clearly marked, contains THC. It's in child-resistant bags. 
Uh, and you know everybody's going to be very limited on those purchases compared to the medical market. Some banks, as I'm sure you know, will not work with marijuana stores because it's still illegal at the federal level at this point. So mm. can people buy only with cash tomorrow? And are you still worried that the federal government at some point will come in and disrupt your budding business, no pun intended? <laughs> right. Well, I think uh, what's changed pretty dramatically over these past few weeks is seeing Canada and, and all the success that they're having up there with, with the launch of recreation. Um, you know, at probably around noon tomorrow, I'll have the, uh, the cashless ATMs online so people can use debit cards. You can use a debit card, not a credit card. Correct. So, you know, you're a young guy, you went to Babson, got your MBA. What made you want to leap into this industry? Uh, I think this is one of the, uh, mo you know, most interesting uh, industries for, for uh, young people right now. It's, mm -hmm. it's one of the few things that's keeping kids around. It's, um, you know, people are excited to go to work when they come to cultivate. And I think uh, this industry is offering a lot of hope for people. Um, where they're seeing, you know, not a lot of jobs out in, mm. in some areas. Were you worried, though, about financing? Because my guess is investors are a little skittish about investing in a business that, again, is still considered Schedule 1 by the federal government. How are you able to go about getting financing? Have you found it easy? And do you plan to expand, depending on the way Lester goes? It's, it's one of the biggest hurdles for, uh, you know, getting into this business. Um, and I think what we're seeing, you know, every week really right now is that the legitimacy that's coming to this, uh, especially on the medical side, and now that's coming to the rec, is uh, it's, it's people are much more open to it. Mm -hmm. There's been a real sea change in the way the general public has mm -hmm. looked at the industry. Uh, the WBZI team is doing a story that's coming up later on the, our 11 o'clock news on WBZ about security at these facilities. You're going to have a lot of cash on hand. Mm -hmm. It's a very different kind of business. Are you worried about security? That's, you know, safety is our number one uh, priority at this facility. We've spent, you know, years designing it. Uh, using very high-tech equipment to make sure you know we're very safe. Um, we work extremely close with a local police department, mm -hmm. um, so I, I feel like we you know we're very prepared for um, you know what we're going into. What's the next step for Cultivate? You're opening tomorrow in Leicester. Are you going to be opening in other locations around the state? Where do you go from here? Uh, yeah, we're actually in process for a, a few other towns. Uh, you know, I think we're. You know, we've basically been, we doubled the size of our grow in these past few weeks uh, and uh, doubled the number of people that are in our, our uh, building. So, uh, you know, working on new locations, but it's all coming. Certainly a growing business in every sense of the word. So, <laughs> Sam Barber from Cultivate, thanks so much for coming in tonight. Yeah. Good luck tomorrow. Yeah. It's possible now well, November is National Homeless Youth Awareness Month, and one of the most vital organizations in our area mm -hmm. helps 14 to 24-year-olds, young people who, through no fault of their own, find themselves alone or sleeping on the streets of Boston. Bridge Over Troubled Waters started in a building adjacent to Boston Common and has helped homeless youth find medical services, education, and transitional housing since the late 1960s. And joining us tonight are the executive director of Bridge, Elizabeth Jackson, and a former Bridge client who is now a professor at Bridgewater State University, Dr. Wendy Williams. And thank you both for coming here tonight. Thank you thank for you. having so us. So good to have you. And Elizabeth, you know, we, I wanted to talk to you first of all because, uh, you know, we've been talking with Eric about how this is the coldest night mm -hmm. since March. So it mm -hmm. really, you can feel it mm -hmm. tonight when we talk about these young people. At, on any given night in Boston, 400 of these young people are homeless on the streets of Boston. Explain what Bridge is and how you reach out to them. We're a multi-service youth agency and what we do is we have a street outreach team that's mm -hmm. actually on the streets right now talking to young people, try to make sure they have a coat, try to get them inside somewhere warm. We have a medical van that provides medical services out on the streets of Boston and Cambridge. We have counseling, medical, street outreach, uh, counseling, medical, street outreach, mm -hmm. education, housing programs. I always say we're the University of Life Skills for young people who are at risk or homeless. Right, you'll help a lot of them finish their GED, yes, mm. we do. get a job, get yes. an apartment. Yes. And in fact, one of those remarkable stories 
is is the woman sitting next to us, Dr. Wendy Williams. Mm -hmm. You were a teen mom. What did Bridge do for you to get you to this point where you are now a professor at Bridgewater State University? Well, uh, Bridge provided me with a lot of what I do today in my work. It's a place where the relationships that they, that I was able to build, uh, just being seen, being heard, you know, being a having been a teen mom, dropping out of high school, not sure what I was going to do next. I went in. They were available. They met me where I was at. They supported me, and they asked me what I wanted. They asked me what was you know what was my dream. Where did I see myself? And in there, making themselves available to me, um, they allowed me to dream. They you know helped me make the next steps that got me to where I am today. Mm -hmm. And one of the counselors suggested that you go to Roxbury Community College, yes. then you went to BU, you got your PhD. And so would you say that for young people who go to Bridge that when you say they met you where you were, there's no judgment. Uh, they just are there to help you and Absolutely. be the adults in your life. They were. I mean, it really was a place where I felt support. I felt respected. I felt appreciated. I felt heard. Mm -hmm. I did not feel judged. I did not feel condemned in any kind of way. And, you know, when you're 16, 17 years old, you have a baby, you're not sure about what you're going to do next. Here was someone saying, you know, we're here for you. We're going to work with you. And we want to know what it is you're wanting to do and help you do that. And Elizabeth, mm -hmm. we often think of the homeless as this enormous faceless group uh, mm -hmm. A problem, but but these young people are in a unique situation because adult shelters often cannot take them in because they're adult shelters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when they're um, 16 or 17, uh, you are not allowed in an adult shelter. If you're 18 or 19 in Massachusetts, you are. We have a right to shelter state, so they can stay in an adult shelter. The thing is, we don't want an 18-year-old in, in a place where they sleep next to a 40-year-old. We want to change a life. Mm -hmm. We want to really work with them. We want to mm -hmm. provide the hope. We want to provide the ability and really plant the seed and storm that you love so we can it's not short term it's long term and what is the long term effect of providing a safe place for our young people and very often it's not safe for them That's to right. be in an adult shelter here in Brighton you have a home for mothers and their babies yes um, I know that you're opening a new Liberty House in Dorchester we yes. want to hear about that but you also have an app that yes. young people can download under their phones yes it's created for um, young people by young people and it's um, for homeless young people that need resources, critical resources. So it's not just bridge services, but also services around Boston and the Commonwealth that provide where to get a meal, where is a safe place to stay, where to call an 800 number and get the services they need. The house in Brighton has the mothers, but it also has teenagers that live. We have uh, 15 teenagers as well that live right up the street from here. And it's, mm -hmm. we have staff there mm -hmm. and they help them get to school, have a, a safe place to live so they can be young people. Right. And what about this new facility in Dorchester? Ah, thank God. Um, Liberty, <laughs> Liberty Mutual um, uh, has provided uh, funding for us to buy the Liberty House. And actually, the name is really uh, perfect for it because it's for the young people that live in Brighton mm -hmm. that have uh, supervised that we've taught them how to save money. We were, it's like thinking like you live with your home with your parents and they help you with everything. And then you they move away to college and they move on their own. So Liberty House mm -hmm. is that. They're on their own on the bridge umbrella. They, they pay rent, they build, helps them build their credit, stay in college, and really um, gets financial stability. And that's what we want for our young people, the long term. Right. We teach them at, in Brighton, um, right down the street, all the services that they need, like what you did at home with mom and dad, mm. and then you get left on your own and you go to the Liberty House and, do, and try to teach it and, and see if you learn anything, but you're still under our umbrella. Great life lessons. Well, Elizabeth Jackson, Wendy Williams, thank you so much for coming in tonight and on a night like this when it's so cold. Mm. We think yeah. about those young people and all the good work you do. Thank Thanks you so, so much. much for Thank us. you both so Thank much. You. It's turkey time. Turkey. Stop, turkey. Oh. Free turkey. Turkeys. You lost it all, turkey. It ain't cool being no jive turkey so close to Thanksgiving.
Standing. Nicely that done, awesome. Jonathan Case. Oh, man, this is one of my favorite times of the year. Yes. This is John Keller's Turkeys of the Year. He, tell just, us, he just lets it rip. Yeah, tell us about the tradition Well, here. this goes back now close to 20 years, if not. 20 years, not really? Wow. Yeah, I was not even here at WBZ. Mm-hmm. It was at a, another station across town where I worked for many years. And, you know, the uh, uh, November is kind of a slow news time on the political beat. You're, past, you're well past an election uh, during an election year. Uh, the legislature's usually out of session by now. It kind of slows down. So I was looking for something to do, and I started thinking about turkeys. And in this context, the definition of a turkey is something or someone that's dumb, notably dumb, or is a notable <laughs> failure, or as the, the, the kids would say today, let me show what a hepcat I am, an epic fail. <laughs> Okay. So uh, we, I did the <laughs> local turkeys of the year, and it was a hit with the viewers. And so over the years, we expanded it to include national turkeys, and in the last couple of years, also pop culture turkeys. There's mm. there's no shortage of material. The oh, problem no. is narrowing it down. Which one do you want to begin with? Which category? Now we should say we're not going to reveal no. the local the turkeys. Local you turkeys have to watch Thanksgiving Day on Thursday. The local turkeys will be revealed at. Six o'clock on WBZ? Uh, yeah, sometime after five. Okay. After five. And in the meantime, and though, we are going to do the national turkeys and, and the, the pop, pop culture, culture turkeys. Right, well, let's, so let's jump in. Well, let's start with the pop culture turkeys. Okay. And, you know, this is sort of broadly defined here. But I started with a recent turkey that kind of burst onto the scene. I think I know a, where this is going to be. A cacophony of goggling. And that would be um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Whose teammate, Le'Veon Bell, the yes. star running back, he held out in a contract dispute this year. And just within the last couple of weeks, the deadline passed, indicating that he would not be returning at all. So the clubhouse people brought out a big box to start clearing out his locker. And when the imbeciles on the (laughs) Pittsburgh Steelers saw this, a number of them decided, hey, it's open season. Uh, Let's raid Le'Veon's locker. Guys are taking out his expensive cleats and Mm -hmm. trying them on and walking off with them and cackling like a bunch of turkeys. And this was, of course, all caught on someone's cell phone. You may remember these were the same dumb turkeys, the Steelers, who a couple (laughs) of years ago broadcast on Facebook Live. Yeah, Antonio uh, Brown. The coach, Antonio Brown, right? Good memory, Liam. The coach's confidential post-game remarks marks in the locker room where he used expletives and he said nasty things about the Patriots. So these guys have a long history of uh, turkey-like behavior, and this year was no exception. Anytime we can have the Steelers as one of the turkeys, I'm very happy about that. I will say it was kind of gross. A lot of people are angry at Le'Veon Bell that he held out, and he, he lost $14 million by holding out and and is not going to play. And miss the deadline to play, but he wants a big long-term contract. These guys are getting brain damage when they play. I don't at all mind that he held out, and his teammates are jerks for going to raid in his locker. Running, they it's, are it's, jerks. It's, again, it's one of those moments where you see it, you hear about it, and you think it just wouldn't happen in the Patriots' locker room, right? Not under the current regime. If it happened, it wouldn't become public. No. If it happened, then it became public. Everyone Heads participating would, would be on the waiver wire. Heads Absolutely. Who's next? So then uh, not all turkeys are ha-ha funny. Not that that Steeler thing was all that mm. hilarious. But um, <laughs> some are deadly serious. And on my list of turkeys of the year are self-driving cars. Mm. Now, of course, for a number of years now, we've been hearing, oh, this is going to be the next best thing. Liam loves the I idea love, of self-driving cars. I do love self-driving cars. cars. He can't really? wait yeah. for this Do you drive technology. one? You strap the kids <laughs> in the back and no. go? Oh, no. Why is that, Liam? My hope is that within the next 10 to 15 years, the technology is at a place where my kids don't have to get a license, don't have to drive. Because as much as self-driving cars at the moment might be turkeys, we, the humans, are way more turkeys than they are. The when you turkeys. look at the accidents that we cause, the drunk driving, the falling asleep at the wheel, the drug driving, the road rage, robots do none of that. And... They're not there yet, I will agree, but they will get there, and I'm hoping it's sooner rather than later. What are the turkey qualities, John, that they exhibited this year? Well, first of all, we had the first death Mm. at the hands of a self-driving car, an Uber in uh, Arizona, uh, where there was a human 
uh, behind the wheel as a safety check. That's who was how, looking at his phone. Uh, yeah. Who was yeah. looking at his phone and wasn't paying attention. Next thing you know, uh, a woman uh, wheeling her bike across the street is dead. Uh, the whole technology was just recently repudiated by Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple, who says he doesn't believe that it's ever going to work. And mm. in fact, doing my research here, the the people pushing this, and first of all, uh, there have been studies showing that uh, this is going to cost millions of jobs. Oh, jobs are sure. just going to go. Particularly truck service work. I mean, you know, really not not something I a prospect that I relish. But uh, the people behind it who are pushing it are saying now, well, you know, what we need to do is develop all sorts of fancy new technology that will remind the person in the car to pay attention. <laughs> well, to me, that screams just yes. Drive the you're car. right. Humans are fallible in a lot of bad things happen involving vehicles with humans at the controls. But the one thing humans can do that robots can't necessarily is really think it through, really observe what's going on. React in real time. Yeah, they just don't have it there yet. I hope I hope it never happens. I'm a real I'm getting to be a real Luddite when it comes to this kind of thing. All for it. I I think if nothing else, the uh, search for solutions will lead to the cars that we drive being safer. I mean, lane assist has already made us safer, uh, automatic braking. Um, when I went last spring and interviewed the company in Boston that's really making strides in self-driving cars, the cool thing to me was the laser-powered radar mm-hmm. on top of the car LIDAR. that gives a 360-degree view uh, around the vehicle, lets you kind of like, you know, our the backup cameras now right. and the little beep beep that you get in yeah. case you're going to run into something. It can completely encompass the vehicle. It's, it's so right. It, like it, it works like I a hope bat that some night. of that it, technology is integrated in regular. I right. hope that we acknowledge that it's a failure and a fantasy, <laughs> yeah. and that everyone involved with it loses their. It's going to be like the DeLorean. Agree to disagree. <laughs> On um, to the next turkey. Okay, so. Um, there were a lot of turkeys at the box office this year, as there oh, are every yeah. year. That's just, but apparently the turkey to end all turkeys I discovered in my wanderings around the web was this incredibly sappy movie distributed by Amazon called Life Itself. Uh-huh. This is by the genius. Is this your favorite movie, Jonathan? I, I've been dying to see it because, yes. <laughs> you, because it's so bad. Yes. Yeah. So it's like a what's that movie? That's the the room. Ishtar. The room. The room, yeah, the yeah. room. It's that level bad. Uh, well, it's apparently it's that level, but like in a Hollywood way. Like the room was kind of yeah. like a weirdo who made this film. Yes. But, but life itself is apparently like this. Wait, is the room is it separate, separate from room? Room, yes, yes. different okay, okay. movie. Good. I was going to say because room it, was fantastic. What is life itself about? Well, life itself is by the creator it's of about Life, life is, is Us. You know the TV series, oh, sure. Oh, yeah. That airs on some obscure yep. network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't know that. Um, but. Uh, I saw the trailer. I mean, I would never go see a movie like this, even if I didn't know it was the worst movie of the year. But I I saw the trailer, and it's about an impossibly pretty couple, Mm. Olivia Wilde and some guy I've never heard of. And it's about their impossibly... Who looks like Liam, perhaps. It's about their impossibly (laughs) cute life, their impossibly cute meeting, courtship, marriage, uh, parenthood... You name it. Uh Takes them right on through. And, of course, impossibly cute tragedy (laughs) intervenes in their impossibly cute life and creates impossibly cute melodrama. (laughs) All of it is uh, – critics described it as horrendous. um, (laughs) Sounds like a love story. One critic said that (laughs) sitting through it made her pray for death. Oh, but death would no. not come. Uh, and uh, it it had the worst opening weekend of any movie in recent memory. An incredible box office flop. That's life a turkey. itself available on a streaming service near you. <laughs> that is a turkey. Well, you know what? That, that's, this is like Gigli. Remember that with Ben Affleck yes, and Jennifer and Lopez Jennifer in the Lopez. 90s? It was so bad that everyone had to go see it. Maybe it'll and before that, generate interest and people will go watch. I don't think there's no. any. Well, maybe if it <laughs> opens in a theater next to one of the new pot dispensaries. <laughs> there you go. Hey, hey. That in the it 80s, better. it was Ishtar. And then, and then one Ishtar. more here, another box office flop in the making, poor Britney Spears, hmm. who actually has had, for someone with, comeback. with, with microscopic talent, <laughs> she has had a fantastic <laughs> run. 
26, Gotta hand it to her. 26 years since she debuted on the Mickey Mouse Club, right. along with Justin Timberlake and Kerry Russell. What a class that was. Well, Carrie Russell was in with them? I didn't she know. was yes. in that same group of Mouseketeers. Yep. And then, you know, she survived. She had that weird sort of mental breakdown period, but then yeah. bounced back from that. The Kevin Federline that, episode. Oh, please. Yeah. Oh, God. Talk about <laughs> the apple pie of marriages. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes. Thank you. I appreciate and, that reference. Uh, but uh, And she's uh, made a lot of money in Vegas in recent years, but apparently Britney's elongated 15 minutes are the clock is on 14 minutes and 59 seconds ticket sales tickets went on sale just recently for her next residency at the park mgm theater in in vegas Vegas, uh, starting next february big hollywood production in the streets the show is called domination (laughs) okay John but got really close to the mic that on John that one. John would really run out to buy a ticket for. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I checked it out. The ticket prices, you can get in for 95 bucks. <laughs> yeah. But, 95 bucks. Which is not bad for a Vegas show. On is the it, other is hand, it, I, ooh, 95 bucks is a lot. Well, of money. by Vegas standards, okay. you know, um, there's dancers yeah, and everything. Right. And I don't know, maybe drinks are included in that. Sure. I don't know. But on the other hand, that's two hours of your life you'll mm. never get back. So the ticket sales have not been good because my understanding is her last residency went well and everyone was it like, hey, well. back it on did. top here. No, but the market, I think, has mm. ruled that it's time for Britney to uh, maybe she can get a gig as the center square in the Hollywood yeah. squares. <laughs> mm. It won't happen for her one more time. Apparently. Oh, there you go. I heard <laughs> that, took, that took me a second, but I did. Oops. Um, she didn't do it again. So right. too late. On to the what are we? What's next year? Now we're on to the, oh, the national national, national turkeys. turkeys. National turkeys. Um, these are these seem okay. as though they'd be really yeah, again, easy. Yeah, this is hard to do. Okay, so, it's hard to narrow it down. You're yeah. saying. Um, I really, really bent over backwards and strained every ligament in my body not to make this too Trump centric. Mm-hmm. Sure, but I failed. Uh, included on my list are first of all Twitter Trump. Mm. Very interesting. The other day, Military Times, the uh, I guess it's an online publication. I'm not sure, but it's a yes. publication that covers the military every year. They do a poll of uh, mili- members of the military around the, around the world, I think. And they uh, poll them on a variety of questions. One of them is popularity of prominent political figures. And, of course, uh, candidate Trump drew very strong support from the military. Yes. His approval ratings remain higher – significantly higher among the military than they are among the general population, but he's down nine points over a year ago. And when they probed a little deeper, why don't you like Trump so much anymore? They say, well, we like the increased military spending. We like this policy. We like that policy, but we don't like his style. And when I hear that, to me, that means primarily the Twitter feed. Remember when we did the 100-day, first 100-day stories last year? We talked with Trump supporters about what they don't like. What they didn't, don't, don't like. And uh, the one thing they all agreed on that they didn't like was the tweeting. And that was only 100 days in. It's just gotten worse. If you could have pried that iPad away from him, I think he'd be sitting at 60, 65% Well, the interesting thing is that in the final few days of the 2016 presidential election, he largely was off Twitter. His advisors convinced him to basically stay quiet and just stay totally on message. And it it worked. It was a 75,000-vote election, and that could have been the difference. And as you say, John, there's Twitter Trump, which is very different from in-person Trump. As in last week when he was standing next to Governor Jerry Brown in California talking about the wildfires, and he doesn't ever want to criticize someone in person with them. He wants them to like him. But then on Twitter later... He'll blow that person up. Typical so it's a fascinating of, peek into his psyche. Typical of dime store bullies. They they want to bully you, but not so much right to your face mm. when you're standing right there. Uh, let's get the Trump stuff out of the way here. Also on my list, Kelly Sadler. Remember her? Yes. She was the White House aide who, during a meeting, 
they were. This was during the confirmation hearings for Gina Haspel, the mm-hmm. president's nominee to be director of the CIA, who John was, McCain would have opposed because he of was, torture. He was strongly opposed to her, as were others, because of her advocacy of waterboarding and other methods of torture that McCain and many others in both parties oppose as not only a violation of international law, but potentially putting our service people at great risk overseas. Anyway, during a discussion of McCain's opposition to this, G, uh, Kelly Sadler remarked that, well, it doesn't matter, he'll be dead soon. Mm-hmm. Of course, we all knew he was suffering from terminal brain cancer at the time. The comment leaked out like everything else does from the Trump White House. And uh, after some hemming and hawing and fudging, uh, all, uh, Kelly Sadler herself was gone. So that was, that was real classic turkey move by Ms. Sadler. Terrible thing to say. Uh, then we were talking about this uh, before with uh, regard to our interview with Mayor Walsh. I got to give it to Amazon's, quote fingers here, search <laughs> nationwide HQ2. search yeah. for a new headquarters Were there really site. 20 cities on the list? Were there oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So here's what they did. They uh, got literally hundreds of communities around the country to roll over on their back, expose their belly, and basically disclose proprietary information about how much they would be willing to give to get Amazon jobs there. Now, this headquarters is not the last sighting Amazon is going to be doing. Good Lord, the sky's the limit for that company. So next time they go to Toledo, Ohio, or Atlanta, or Boston, well, not Boston. For once, our politicians were smarter than they, other They really wouldn't offer Amazon much. They didn't really show their hand very much, and that was very smart of them because now they know what the opening bargaining position is for all these other uh, cities and towns. And then to turn around and all this talk about how they want to be an engine for economic development and they want to help distressed areas, they turn around and they sink the money and the jobs into the two most economically flourishing urban areas in the country, New York and Metro D.C. Gobble, gobble for Amazon. <laughs> and finally, how about the Hawaii Civil Defense System? Oh, remember remember that? this? Back in January? <sighs> oh, yeah. Oops. Somebody, uh, you know, they were carving, the, they were eating their spam sandwich and their elbow <laughs> uh, hit the wrong switch. Spam sandwich? Well, that spam <laughs> is very popular in Hawaii. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> there's not a lot of fresh meat. Hmm. It's very expensive, so uh, uh, spam is an essential part point. of the Hawaiian diet, learn, I understand. Learn something new every day. Correct me if I'm wrong, our Hawaiian John knows listeners. The- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know everything. Come on, man. <laughs> you know, should know that by now. I should. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and the alert went out to the citizens of Hawaii that nuclear bombs were incoming. Needless to say, panic ensued. It's a miracle no one was killed or uh, or did anything irreversibly drastic. And weren't and, there several steps that person had to go through in order to sound the alarm? I guess so, yeah. It was just a disaster. That's the essence of turkeydom, I had, to I'd send for, out a false in the, alarm the like that. the crazy 24-7 news cycle we live in, I had forgotten about that one. And yeah. it is crazy it that is. that happened. People are hiding in their closets. It's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, imagine the thing. We talk all the time. What are the things you would do if you knew that you yeah. had five well, minutes imagine left? Imagine the cell phone calls. Imagine some of the people that went through those five minutes, the things they might have done in those five minutes. And keep in mind, yeah, exactly. And yeah. keep in mind this came during that same period when th- there was heightened alarm over potential North Korean sure. missiles oh, yeah. that could reach the continent here. So I don't know. I'm sitting here in Boston. I was a little bit freaked out yeah, by that. I think many people were too. So gobble, gobble. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Now, I actually did want to ask you, with the local turkeys, have you ever named someone as the turkey and then got a message from them? Uh, You know, no. Uh, People who, uh, first of all, you know, since my turkey picks are 100% accurate, (laughs) (laughs) what are you going to do? You just take your your sharp elbow and move on. Some people might find it a point of pride, actually. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it's, it's in good... Fun, right? <laughs> Remember when we had on the podcast Deval Patrick's former oh, yeah. media guy who you had named a turkey oh, for creating a podcast right. years ago? Yes. Oh, and my he, that's goodness. stuck in his crop. Alex Goldstein. He yeah. remembered well, I didn't that. name him. But I, the, the podcast <laughs> was a turkey. No one ever heard he that podcast. He knew who you meant. <laughs> yeah. He knew. Yeah. Well, good. 
Hey, that's showbiz. <laughs> We hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving and that you're all glad you were not one of John Keller's turkeys this sure. year. What are you most grateful for this year? Oh, all of you. True. All of you. My wonderful partner, Paula. So nice. No, I, I have a beautiful family. Life is good. Mm-hmm. I love where I work. I love the people I work with. Um, I am a very lucky man. So much to be thankful for. I have a good guess what Grandpa John is thankful for. Well, of course, my gorgeous little granddaughter, the most beautiful baby, smartest baby that was ever born. And uh, that's not me saying that. Many people many <laughs> others, people are saying that. Others are saying I, gifted child. In addition to her, I would say I'm thankful for my country mm. and to be an American, uh, right or wrong, up or down, fair or foul. I never lose pride in being part of this country and all of the blessings that it's given to me and my family. I'm second generation American. Mm. So I remember what my grandparents uh, went through what they fled and what they experienced here. They they set up the great life my parents and now my generation have enjoyed, and I'm so I'm definitely thankful for um, to be an American. Oh, mm. that's so true. How that about you? So Paula? right. I am very grateful to be an American. I'm very grateful for my family, all home and healthy, mm. and uh, yeah, grateful for our WBC team and how. In this podcast. Wonderful. This has year has been. Wonderful. Podcast. I'm thankful for our producer, Working Jonathan with Case. And John. It's great. It's really a very happy time. I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to abstain from that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so make sure you give us a rating and a review. Subscribe and share at Studio BZ Pod. And my Twitter handle is at Paula Eben WBZ. I am at Liam WBZ, and we are thankful for all of our listeners. Yes. Yeah, we sure are. Well. Please tell a friend. Uh, you, your, your ranks have been growing. We really appreciate that. And we want to hear from you. Don't be shy. As Paula said, at Studio BZ Pod is the Twitter handle. You can drop us a tweet there. Uh, my Twitter fee, uh, handle is at Keller at Large. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, everybody. And next Enjoy week, your apple pie. No. After uh, your turkey. Have your pecan pie. Then maybe somewhere down the line is apple pie. Hopefully the, the dog doesn't eat it. <laughs> Hopefully the dog doesn't eat it. And if the dog does, invite John Keller over <laughs> for an after, uh, after hours meal. And remember, never eat yellow snow. <laughs> <laughs> In the meantime. We'll, we'll be seeing you. As long as we can all agree that cheesecake is horrific. I would agree. An abomination. Agree with that. Although pumpkin cheesecake is not bad. Oh, well, now we're going to the flavor. But do you want me to share to, a okay, bowl? And I will tell you the devastating moment yeah. when I picked my daughter up from the airport. She flew in for Thanksgiving and unprompted, without hearing from Liam, says to me, Oh, no, we shouldn't have apple pie. That's a summer pie. Yes! <laughs> Put a player for the win. No, Put her right wrong. back on the plane. Yeah. She's not in California. Back to long. San Francisco, <laughs> the land of the... So it's but the Hall of Fame. But a pecan and apple. He's insinuating apple wouldn't appear at it's Thanksgiving not, I've dessert I've never seen all. an apple pie at That's Thanksgiving crazy. meal ever. Ever. It's, not it's even like once. The main How about... I associate with Thanksgiving. Is apple pie. Thank you. Yeah, well, you're wrong. Thank you. No. No. Sorry. Take that call. So caught. Thank you.